0: everyone, and welcome to Business Meets Spirit Chatted. We believe in personal growth through business success. This week, we have a free episode for you from our Thrive Everyday course, which we designed to help guide you in how to succeed in times of uncertainty, transition, or stress. In this part of the course, I talk about how to become the leader you aspire to be. There are a total of eight sessions of Thrive Every Day, so if you want to get the course materials and watch each pre-recorded session on your own time, register for free at adamhergenrother.com forward slash thrive and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited to jump in and talk about how do you thrive every day, right? How do we, uh, I know this, this conference is all about inspiring and leading ourselves and really um, tapping into that leader that's within all of us. And ever I'll tell you one thing that is, is instrumental in my life is all the people who have supported me from an operations standpoint uh, and everything that we've always done, hence why Hallie and I, uh, my chief of staff, had wrote the book, The Founder and the Force Multiplier, about the special relationship um, between a, an EA, chief of staff, support network, um, and their executive and their leader or their manager. And just that dynamic relationship, and that doesn't stop at, at any level. And support is such an important part for an entrepreneur, for a leader, uh, and for ourselves. So I just wanted to thank you for all that you do. A lot of times um, people that are handling the operational side of the business do not get the credit as the, the, the front runner or the front face does. But I just want to say I recognize that in all of you, of all that you do. Uh, so thank you. It's been instrumental in my life, and and I certainly would not be here. I I, I always say that I'm really good about like half of the thing, and then everybody else is really good at 99.5 percent everything else. I want to just explain a little bit uh, about me. Um, I am the founder and CEO of Herd Roth Realty Group, which we were we were number um, in the top five, I think, this year at the end of this year for all real estate teams in the in the country. Blackrock Construction, which is has multiple arms to it. It's got an investment arm. It's got a residential production luxury style. It's got healthcare campus stuff uh, arm to it as well, predominantly in Vermont there, though we are expanding BlackRock out to our locations throughout the U.S. over the next five or so years. Adam Hergenrother are coaching. Um, some of you may or may not be familiar with that uh, for, for what we do there. It's really using our fulfillment form, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, and really, really where I love to do it, I love, I think, Business is nothing but this conduit for our personal growth, which we'll get into in a few minutes. I own three different market centers in Vermont, Maryland, Massachusetts, and market center host um, the the brokerages. It's basically a brokerage office in Vermont, Maryland, Massachusetts. Um, As I mentioned before, Hallie and I are are extremely passionate about the founder and force multiplier relationship. Again, the supporting relationship, the person behind the scene relationship, however you want to describe them um, and then how they make somebody else's life easier. And, And I certainly wouldn't be, Brian today about Hallie and without the support that I have from everybody there, so your roles are so critically uh, are are so important to anybody and all that we're doing. And today though, what I'm really going to jump into as we talk about this is how you see yourself as a leader and how you inspire yourself to lead others from any position that you hold. So I can't wait to jump into that today. Uh, we also hold a full year long immersion course called Project U. It's it's really my baby. Um, it's. Uh, 25 people that we take uh, at a time. We don't go over 25 and it's a year-long course because we literally, it's Project You because the whole year is dedicated to changing you from your health and wellness to spirituality to business and slash wealth into leadership and relationships. And then we have our podcast, Business Meets Spirituality. Hallie's my co-host and sometimes we have some guests on there. uh, Really diving into deep conversations around why business is business and and why people have joy and why they don't, and really for me, I developed a lot of our training curriculum and business meets spirituality podcast because I w- I didn't want to achieve success outwardly uh, and then feel uh, unfulfilled inside because success without fulfillment is ultimate failure. I think Tony Robbins said that, and it's such a true statement for it. But I didn't want to live in a cave, and I didn't you know, and, and, and just like be in a meditation state and I want to grow a business. So I, we started the conversation about how do you bridge the gap between both of them and using business for this. My first priority is to my wife and to my family and my three wonderful kids, which are amazing. And from the onset of, of my day, my orientation is around that I'm a spiritual being having a, a minor physical experience. You know, the earth's been around for 4.5 billion years. You're here around for 100, 120, right? I don't know how many years we'll be here for. But it's just a blink of time. It's like opening up a book that's a billion, you know, a billion pages long, and reading one word and thinking you know what's going on. So it's always a good reminder to myself that we're just here for such a short period of time. There's problem. There's events. I understand that we'll get through them. And at the end of the day, enjoy what is unfolding. Enjoy the reality. Because not mean be happy about all of it, but you can still enjoy the reality of that. So that's kind of my orientation. In my life is that I'm. A spiritual being that's in this body having this just really cool experience. And cool experience doesn't mean it's always great. I understand that losing money feels different than making money, um, but it's still all experiences for them. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, most importantly, I didn't. I wasn't born like successful. In fact, I was um, up until about I was 16 years or so uh, of age. I was about 100 pounds overweight, uh, and I was failing classes. I was. Um, you know, doing drugs. I was really that role model student that you kind of wanted your kid to hang out with <laughs> and, and at all, like nobody, people would literally keep their kids away from me. <laughs> and so one day I came home and I just said, you know, my life is not going to be around this. It's not going to be about this. And At the time, I couldn't say it like I can now. I had no idea what I was going to do. Uh, I didn't know what my life was going to turn out to be. I didn't know what was there. I just knew in that moment, I was no longer going to live insecure. I was no longer to somebody else's life. And I was no longer going to just pretend that life would get better. Uh, without taking action, which is why I'm so excited to talk about how you thrive every day today with you all. Um, And so I went, you know, in in 16, I lost 100 pounds within a year. I transitioned the people that I was hanging out with, and I started getting into sports, which is why physicality is so important to me, because it really helped provide structure, discipline, and a new level of thinking uh, in my life, and that kind of transition theme. There's one more important thing that I'll mention to you, just so you um, hopefully just devalue myself here a little bit um, on this, is that I, uh, when I was about 27 years old or so, I had this this income number that I once I hit it, like it'd been there since college. Like basically, I was taught the same thing. Like if you make money, and you know you keep progression in your life, this linear progression in your life, whether that's you go to school, you go to college, you go to college, you get a job, you get a house, you wipe your fence, you get a dog, you get a partner, and you just you, then you have you know this, and you and you, just, you keep going up, and every time you do, you're supposed to hit this next phase of joy. Well, for me, I put this, this bucket of joy, if you will, uh, into a number of about half a million dollars in income, maybe a little bit less, but half a million dollars in income or so. And I remember hitting pretty close to that number when I was about 28 years old. And I, I, I went to my mom's house, who's the most unassuming person ever, such a supportive person um, in my life, and, and just very ordinary in that way. And uh, ordinary, but extraordinary. And she, uh, I was like, hey, I made this money. And it was just her and I. And she's like, oh, that's great, honey. Why don't you pass the ketchup? I remember in that moment, and I was already feeling it, I was already bubbling up in that moment that I was like, wow, there's gotta be more to life than this. There and, and, and it's the same feeling that I had 10, 12 years earlier when I made that transition. And I said, I made this money. It doesn't even matter. The dollar amount can be different. It can be 30000 seeing once you make 75 grand, you, you think you're gonna be in this new world or 75 or hundred grand. The dollar amount's irrelevant. It's just I hit this point again that said. You're never going to find joy outside. You're never going to be able to find um, what you're looking for or trying to be okay from the outside. It's inside. It's an internal job. Now, I can say it better now because I've been on this journey for you know 20 plus years. But in that moment, I, really, I got a little depressed and I got a little just new orientation in my life. I started really just deciding that I was going to thrive every day and I was going to inspire myself and I was going to inspire others. But it started with recognizing that I was going to go neutral. Uh, what I really need from going neutral is that I was never. I, I wanted to be able to go through business and use this as an opportunity to grow personally. Or as you can see here, this has kind of been my ethos: business is nothing but a conduit for your personal growth. And the reason why I say that is because you wouldn't sign up for lawsuits. You wouldn't sign up for to have your, you know, somebody show up and leave the same day, or you wouldn't show up for a a, a non-profit month, or the ch- all of the challenges that show up, or 15 closings that happen in one day and all of a sudden agents are yelling at you and telling you that you need to get all this done, right? We don't sign up for that, but we deal with it because this is life, but business in our world is this conduit to let go of ourselves, go neutral with ourselves and then to enjoy it and then act on it, right? But we're letting go of ourselves so we can grow personally. And that's really where this came from for me. And this has been a staple in my life. And I think it's really important for all of us to realize this is about, if we want to thrive every day, if we want to grow as leaders, is we want the, the joy and peace that we're looking for. Happiness is a fleeting emotion. It comes and goes. It comes, if you buy a, you get a bonus or you get a new thing or have a wonderful moment. It can come up and then it just goes on to the next thing. But joy and peace are universal and they're there. The door is always open for it. And I think once we, if we want to thrive every day and, and use business as this opportunity to just really live fully, right? Just really live fully. It's we have to understand that business is giving us everything that we need to grow. And yes, there are challenges. Yes, there are problems. And yes, we feel like they're very disturbing to us. They're nothing but events that are unfolding. And so let's start. Instead of looking at problems with a negative connotation to them, why don't we look at them as just events? You know, they're just events that go on. Why Problems could be making money. Problems could be not making money. Why they, they're just events. A butterfly is an event that lands on you and a snake is an event that comes near you. They're, yes, they feel different, but they're just events. We've labeled it with, with, with this negative connotation that problems are bad. They're just a sign of life. <laughs> they're there. They're events that are unfolding and most of them are far outside of our control. So for us to get attached to these emotions that come from these problems pulls us out of the ability to go neutral or to be able to enjoy everything that's showing up in our way. There's four words that live by my side and have for um, a little while now, which is need nothing and enjoy everything. And it goes with this, right? Just when you need nothing, and I don't mean you don't need anything, but you enjoy everything and it's not renunciation. You're not searching for personal gain from a lot of things, but you're contributing to it. It's a way to be able to go neutral with these things. And so when you think about it, you're able to use business as this opportunity. So next time you walk into your profession, into your home office, into your office, depending on how people are doing this, ask yourself the question is, how can business serve me? Meaning, how can the events that are about to unfold allow me to grow, allow me to thrive? And so that I'm not so worn out by the end of the day that my family or partners or friends gets what's left over, that my business gets all of me and my friends and family get all of me. And that starts from you going neutral and really an understanding that you don't need anything, but you can enjoy everything. So let's just move a little bit more into the tactical side of, of how we do this, right? We are right after the new year. Um, we're in the, still in January. And most of us have goals or new resolutions or a, a fresh start. It is a day. Or some of you may be thinking, like, how am I going to do another year of this, right? I thought it was fascinating that we had an interesting conversation the first couple of weeks of January where... A lot of leaders and and from operational leaders to leaders who are leading organizations where they're like, you know, we had such great years and it was very challenging, but like, how can I do this again? And I think that's just overwhelming fear. Fear is just nothing. Remember that fear is an imaginative state. It's like you and your four or five-year-old imagines that there's there's a monster in their closet. You know that there's not a monster in there, but to them it seems really real. Well, we as adults do the same thing with psychological fear. Like it's the fear of like something going to happen or it's not going to happen or what happens if this goes, and it just pulls us out of our current state and starts to imagine all the things that go wrong, which you all know that 99% of the time that doesn't go wrong anyways, or it's a slight variation of that. I always joke with people that if you're ever in a real fearful situation, like primal fear, like a bear is chasing you, I promise you, you don't, your mind doesn't go, huh. I wonder what's going to happen if the bear gets me. <laughs> you just run or, or attack and you don't think any of that. So in a real fear situation and you're actually the 1% that you actually need fear to, to work on your side, I promise you there's going to be no psychological fear associated with that. Um, as if anybody's ever been in that situation before. So uh, again, the psychological fear of just what could go wrong. So let let that just be, let it go. And let's focus on, our, on, on what we have our hands. So we're coming into January, we're in January and we're coming out of it. What are we going to do with our resolutions? And as I said up here, results are not resolutions, right? So a, re- a resolution is a decision or an intention that we're making about an orientation of our lives. And I love the theme of this year's conference is that it's inspiring and leading ourselves. And we'll get into self-leadership in a little bit, but so what is your intention for you? How are you going to show up? I remember um, during the holiday break, I was—I I got some, you know, a couple emails like we all probably did that kind of started disturbing me, and they started pulling me out of this wonderful state that I was in to negativity. And my my wife pulled up with our kids, and we're about to go swimming. And I remember I turned over and I looked at my youngest daughter, and who was getting out of her car, and she just waves to me with such innocence, and I said, Adam, what do you want your life to be about? What's the orientation of your life? Are you going to allow this event that unfolded to take you out of the moment of being with your with your family or with your partner, with your business folks, your clients or any of that. And I just made that decision right there as an intent that no, I wasn't. And so I just did, I just made the decision, right? Just like if you want to quit smoking cigarettes, you just make the decision, you stop smoking cigarettes, it's the same thing. So um, really what is your decision your orientation around that's going to be? Approximately 80% of resolutions fail by the second week of February. What are your decisions that you're going to make? And when you're thinking about deciding or intending to do something, are you going to do it? You know, I'd rather people think of a, of a smaller, simpler goal that they're going to have that they can actually uphold to. And so as you're, as you're listening over the, over the next, you know, seven or eight hours of me talking today, I'm just kidding, I'm talking for an hour, um, then what is it? What is your intention here? What do you, what do you really want out of this year? I don't mean really you want in terms of like material things. That's fine. Let's put that aside for a second though. Because this, this conference, this message is about resonating with you, about being a leader and inspiring yourself. That's inner work. That's not outer work. That's not an outer thing. The, the thrive or the, this inspiring or the inspiration enthusiasm is inside. That's an inside job. So what is that orientation going to be about in your life? Results are not resolutions, right? So thinking about what action you need to take. Because thinking plus action will equal a result. So what action do you need to take? What does that need to look like? What do you must change in order for this to to take hold? One of the things that I love teaching my organization and and our employees and our agents is that I don't ever want somebody to be healthy or wealthy for a day or for a week. I want you to create habits that are going to support you for life. And so when you're thinking about your habits or goals that you've made for January, what are those habits that you can be sustained for life? And so, for instance, if it's physicality, maybe you don't go out and run seven marathons in the next three months, or that you're going to work out eight times in the next five days. Maybe you just say, I'm going to eat two desserts a week, right? And that's it. And you just start working on that. Then you add another layer, add another layer, right? So a lot of us, and I love using this slide as a reference for when I teach Quantum Leap to kids. Quantum Leap is just a, is a course for high school students, predominantly, or young adults on terms of orienting your life. Um, and one of the questions I always like to ask is, like, whose life are you living and how do you know? And most people go, I'm living my life. And I say, really? How do you know you're living your life? How do you know you're living your life? And I think a lot of people, when you stop to think about this for a few minutes, you can resonate well with, like, whose life are you really living? Because most of us, and I'm not saying you, but most of us, what we do is we ingest other people's answers because they're safe, because they're status quo. Or that they're not gonna rock the boat. And so when I ask the question of whose life are you living based on the goals that you've set, right? You're setting goals in January, they're your goals. They don't have to be anybody else. You can model after anybody else, but it's your life that you're living. And so instead of just ingesting other people's answers because they are safe or because they're comfortable, or because you like to go there, or because you don't wanna rock something, that's not that's not living your life. So if you're talking about an enthusiasm. So you wake up early just to get going because you're so excited for life because you're just, you're just so joyful for what you're doing. That's living your life. That's matching your nature with nature, right? And so each decision is going to define your life. These decisions that we have in our, in our lives are, um, you know, it's funny about decisions. And one of the things where I was going with the quantum leap thing is that I, I always like to start off with, with, with any individual, but especially high school students or, or, or college students is that nobody teaches you how to make decisions and it's, there's not a class or curriculum of decision making one-on-one. So then we just buy into the fact that we're good at making decisions. We literally, we think that because we're alive or that we've ensured. Yes. There's some decisions we can say. I didn't really make them. I'm talking about the, each decision, like these decisions every day, you know, like that, I gave that example earlier. I looked at my daughter and I said, that's a decision. Like, do I want to allow this event to take me away from this moment? That's a decision. And most of us just accept what's kind of happening in terms of the the answers that we're given instead of defining our own decisions and coming up with our own decisions. And that may go against the status quo, may go against the norm, and that may go against that little voice inside your head. Yes, everybody has it. It's it's not you, I promise. It's just a little voice. It's like a computer. If you turned on Alexa and started singing, you wouldn't say that's you. And if you just put that in your head, that's exactly what it is. So understand you're never the voice. It's just in there and everyone has it and talks to everybody. It tries to define decisions for you. I get it. But this is why I don't want you to listen to that. It's why I want you to start defining your own decisions. As you start to make your own decisions, you can start to define your life. And I just want you to just take stock into maybe what decisions you've just accepted that really weren't yours, right? That maybe really weren't yours. A friend of mine makes the – he he gives a great analogy about this. He said, one day – I was at dinner with my with my family, and I look over at my dad, and uh, or or I I I, he's at his he's at dinner, and he looks down, and he realizes he's biting his nails, he's like, wow, when did I just start biting my nails? And he looked over, and his dad was biting his nails, and he realized in that moment, like, wow, how many answers have I just, or how many things have I just accepted, and just started doing without even me knowing it, without decisions. So be very clear on your decisions, and that's going to start with self leadership. Remember, self-leadership will always, 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 always perceive leadership. You can never lead anybody until you're leading yourself. Well, let me rephrase that. You can lead people, but it's a false lead. Or if you do it too long, you'll you'll wipe yourself out. And some of you, because you're in, in such a, an amazing supporting position, may have found yourself in that where you're taking care of everybody else, but you're not taking care of yourself. And you may feel guilty around that. You may feel that it's it's you need to take care of everybody else before you can take care of yourself. There's a whole bunch of emotions that go around with that. That's a story, by the way. That is a story you're telling yourself that you've adopted and that you're listening to. The mind says you should take care of everybody else before you can take care of yourself, right? Well, that's, again, that's why I talk about decisions that you're ingesting that story and you're listening to it and you're repeating the actions from that. Let's break that cycle and start going, I can take care of everybody else, but I'm going to take care of myself first so I can take care of everybody else better. I know it's such an old adage and nobody flies anymore, but when you get on a plane, it says, make sure you put your oxygen mask on for everybody else's. It's it's, it's just the principle though. You have to be able to lead yourself in a way so you can lead others. Otherwise, if you don't, you'll get burnt out or it becomes false. So make sure that you're really focused this year on self-leadership. Just take one thing in this one moment right now and write it down that you're going to lead yourself first with. Maybe that's getting up, 15 minutes early to have your time. I mean, you need your time. Maybe it's during the day, you're going to block off time to meditate or journal or eat, (laughs) or just to have time to listen to music or do some handstands. I don't know, whatever it is that makes you, you want to knit. I don't Just enjoy it. My point is write down one thing right now that you're going to take action on, that you're going to start leading yourself first, because I promise you self-leadership precedes leadership. You know, this really hammered home with me when I you know, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so ago when, when I read a, uh, an article about Tim Cook. And this is when Tim Cook first kind of got introduced to Apple and Steve Jobs um, was still there. So maybe it was more than 10 years ago. And, uh, and, and basically he said, I get up at 3.30 every morning so I can work on myself first. I'm paraphrasing it. So I can work myself first so I can be the best version to show up and support Apple. I remember reading that going, man, if this guy's getting up at 3.30, then I can get up before 8. <laughs> right? When I first started my career, I would sleep until 7.45, eight o'clock, I'd get up and just start working. And then as over time, I started looking at the most successful people and I don't mean success monetarily. that's one component of it. I mean successful people who lead themselves first, who are authentic to themselves, who understand where they're going, who are contributing in some way It could be a teacher or a business leader, right? in some capacity. And so I started modeling these people. What do they have in common, which you all know now, which is they work on themselves. Some of them in the morning, some of them during the day, some of them in the evening, right? I mean, Warren Buffett reads seven to eight hours a day. So he has more input. So really focus on one component that you're going to lead yourself first and think about the self-leadership that needs to happen so you can become a better version of yourself for your kids, for your partner, for your business, for your agents, for anybody that you're supporting, because we all have different roles and different hierarchies. In our family, we may be the leader. In business, we may be supporting people, but also a leader. So you have you're all leaders in that aspect. So how do we start leading ourselves first, right? Let me give you some examples of this, right? Do you have a personal in personal and professional development plan? Well, you're here, so congratulations. you you're you've invested money into yourself to grow yourself, right? What books are you planning on reading this year? Did you lay them out? Maybe it's not all the books, but I guarantee if you go find people that you've modeled after that you really appreciate, go find out what books they're reading or what podcasts they're listening to. What trainings will you also attend? It doesn't stop with this one, right? How do you keep this going? What new responsibilities will you take on? How will you get outside your comfort zone and grow? And I'll make a comment on this. Getting outside your comfort zone doesn't always mean that like, I'm gonna go jump out of plane because I don't like heights. That can be. But really, it's just, it's growing outside of your current zone in the zone that you're in. Does that make sense? Like, if you're if you're enjoying Y, it's growing more of Y. You don't have to go to A, right? So you can kind of see that. So you're growing in the zone that you're already proficient at and doing well, and how do you grow beyond that even more, right? So how do you grow that zone more? Do you need a coach? Maybe you do. Maybe you need a physical coach. Maybe you need a spiritual coach. I have a spiritual coach. I have a physical coach. I have business coaches, I have mentors, I have books that I constantly go back to when things get tough, right? So who do you need in your life to support you? Maybe it's just look around the room. Maybe it's one of the individuals here that you, that you can partner up with as accountability factor. I'm sure they would love to partner with you on this. Are you planning on teaching others? Because if you take information in, even this, this presentation that I'm giving you guys, think about one thing you're gonna take home and teach to your family and one thing you're gonna to teach to your coworkers because that becomes a powerful place if you're taking information as if you're going to teach it you're going to retain it differently you're going to see the information differently you're going to you're going to listen to it a little bit differently so that you can not only apply it in your own life but then you're applying it in your own life to be able to teach it to others are you living you know your truth in alignment with your goals there's a lot of conversations around authenticity and living your true life which Really, again, is all the things that we're talking about here today, but there's a natural pull, and we all may feel that pull to live more authentically. But then there's like something that stops us, and that's called our mind, right? So, what are your daily success habits, right? And what are your daily success habits? And we're going to jump into that in a second, but what are, how do you lead yourself first? So, here's some examples. I want you to make sure that by now you've written at least one thing down that you're going to lead yourself first with. And then we'll kind of jump over into what does What does your daily success habits look like? The reason why I phrase it into daily success habits is because you have to understand that when you see any individual or organization that's achieved success, however you're defining success, again, monetary can be one of them. That's the first place that people go to. But maybe it's just they have an amazing culture, right? Or maybe they have an amazing leader who's very authentic and he makes you know 50 grand a year, right? or or he's giving all his money away. There's no money to it, but however you define it. If you look at daily success habits these are the models or these are the, the the formulas that people follow right and organizations by the way follow so i want you to see this as success habits for you for self-leadership and then i want to see success habits as an organization of course they don't all apply to your organization but habits leak into other people's lives and they leak into the business tone they start there's a flow to your business and the more habitual you are about creating really good habits the bigger the results will be in your life, right? It's like the results that you get in life are going to be a direct correlation to your daily habits. When you see successful organizations or somebody that has lost a bunch of weight or completed a bunch of Ironmans or whatever it is that makes sense um, that you're kind of referencing in your mind right now, those individuals, it wasn't one thing. It was a whole slew of things that they just did every day. And you can't stress that enough. That's why I go back to self-leadership, perceived leadership, which means you're doing these success habits every day. You have to carve out time for you, folks. You. It's not selfish. I actually think it's selfish to not carve out time for you. And you may go, well, what does that mean? Because you're not advancing yourself to the level that you could to help and support other people more. You're missing components of it. So just no more. No more of that. So what are some of our success habits, right? Extreme time management, daily exercise routine. And exercise can be walking. It can be getting up and doing five push-ups. Start somewhere. It can be some sort of form of meditation. Gratitude journal. Start by writing five things that you're grateful for. Fueling your body with healthy foods. Some sort of prayer. Getting enough sleep is key, right? Read, get creative, get uncomfortable with what you're doing. But these are just some examples of this. But by now, you better have something that you're doing each day that you're committed to. and and, and that you're doing this daily. And extreme time management is really, really important for all of us for success habits because we all have 24 hours in a day and time is not our cheat. So why do people accomplish more within 24 hours? It's because they know what they're doing and most importantly, they know what they're saying no to. When you know what you can say no to, and I I bet most of you that are listening to this right now have a problem saying yes to too many things. (laughs) And a lot of it is because you say yes to things because you don't want to let anybody down. Like, get why you're doing it. The intention is pure. The problem with that is it's taking away from the key things that are going to grow you or grow the organization in ways you need to. So just like you're the day before you're going on a vacation, when you get to say no to everybody because you have a badge that says I'm going on vacation, so it's giving you permission to say no to things that you normally say no to, use that same logic, apply that. Warren Buffett is just famous for saying, you know, I'm much more proud of our organization for the 99 things that we said no to, to the one thing we said yes to. And that becomes a, an invaluable lesson for all of us. It's hard to put in play, but it's an invaluable lesson for all of us. Okay. So working on ourselves, leading ourselves and creating extreme time management and through our daily success habits also requires us to have recovery time. The way I like to look at this, and this is so true for all of you is that, you can't be half in and half out. What I mean by this is you can't be, okay, I'm going to go home, but really I'm going home to check my phone email (laughs) or I'm going to go to the office, but really I'm at the office and I'm now talking to my family from there. It's like when you be, like I said, and you can see the answers in slide, be fully engaged or be strategically disengaged. I say strategically, that means like taking your phone and putting it somewhere. Right. I still have to, I still come home and put my phone upstairs. It doesn't mean that there's something going on, I won't, I won't deal with it, but it means that I'm going to be strategically disengaged. It also means you can be strategically disengaged at the office. <laughs> there's such a, or at your home office, right? What does strategically disengage me? Regular breaks, go for walks. I have a treadmill that I just bought from my office so that I can take 10 minutes if I need to and just walk. It's one of those ones that goes underneath your desk, right? Or sometimes I'll take a call by walking or listen to music while I'm going outside. Meditate, I for me, I meditate in the middle of the day. So from like 11.30 to one is off time. It's strategically disengaged for me. Every day, Monday through Thursday, 11.30 to one is just off. There's no appointments that go in there. It's just time for me. I may choose to work. I may choose to not work. I, I always meditate for at least 20 minutes and I always eat healthy foods during that time. It's just in my calendar. That's that time management. And I'm fully engaged up until that point. I work in very tight bursts. I'm staying fully engaged and then I strategically disengage from that, right? So regular walks, walk, meditate, you lunch, mini vacations or long weekends. And the reason I put it here like that is um, you need to figure out what works for you. Some people love two-week vacations and that works for them. Some people love the you know, three days off or just two days off and that works great for them. And they just meet, and I mean off, I don't mean Saturday, Sunday, if you're taking that off already, maybe it's a Friday, Thursday and a four-day work week. For me, three days is plenty and I'm good, right? For if I need recovery time. Any more time than that, I feel um, that, I could be, that I could be contributing more to our organization. And it doesn't mean I don't take that, but I just, for me personally, I don't need much more than that on a regular basis. Okay, how do we create our ideal daily schedule? First, make sure that you're scheduling your vacations first, at least a year in advance. So if you haven't done so right now, make sure that all of us have taken out our calendars sometime today and put your vacations in there. And I mean, it doesn't mean you have to know where you're going to go. It just means you're going to take the time off. It's actually better for organizations to know if you're taking a time off in June, great, put it in there because here's what you typically do you're like well i'll get to that i'm gonna schedule one in a couple months and then it doesn't happen and then it gets so busy and you go i just can't take one right now and you put yourself back in the back burner not this year not this year i want you to create this idea to schedule for you which is scheduling your vacations first again and you should have it mapped out you should block off the time maybe that's again that's why i'm talking about figuring out what it is maybe it's It's six days that you're taking off, but there are Thursday, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Thursday, Friday over scary uh, periods of time over the next three quarters, right? You figure out what it is, but create your calendar and start scheduling vacations before you leave today. What does your ideal daily day look like at the office? Time in, time out, Fridays off? You know, Hallie, my chief of staff, one of the things that she came to me says, hey, this year, I really want to work towards having Fridays off. And she always knows that she could for me. Um, and for her, she was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's gonna be a great day. I'm gonna stay at home and I'm gonna have content. But I, she loves being at the office four days and getting that done. And so we've, we've made that transition. Other people in my organization are working remotely, right? Some people can't get it during our current time, but some people are looking forward to go back to the office. Some people are not. If you can't, you can still maintain the same level of results and it's good for your organization. Talk to your your leader about you creating your schedule. Most leaders, if the results are getting done don't necessarily care where it's happening. At least for me, that's how I would see things as well too. So, but make sure you're creating your idea daily day. And it doesn't mean you, you have to change it all tomorrow, but just start slithering away things that that um, are no longer serving you or the organization themselves. Time block work and burst. I talked about that earlier in my calendar. It's 8.30 till 11.30 that are, is booked. Anything can go in there that matches the, the week's agenda. Monday through Thursday up in so 8:30 to 1130 and then Monday through Wednesday from 1 thir- from one o'clock until 4 4:30 is another block of time. They can go in there and then nothing happens after that. On Thursdays one o- it's in the morning and then one o'clock after that, then nothing goes in there. It doesn't mean I won't work. It just means I want no structured time. and Fridays are completely unstructured which means I still may be working. I, I mostly work from home or I may ski in the middle of the day and work in the morning. I just have the flexibility. I may take some calls. I may follow up some emails. I may read a book all day. But to me, it's, it's, it's worked really well working in these bursts. So work with people around you. Find out what, what they're doing, how you can work in these bursts and how they support you in the organization. Make sure you're scheduling breaks as I talked to you before. I 1 30 or 1130 to one is off every midday to kind of give me that break in there. Create themes for your day, right? For me, I run multiple organizations. So it's Monday is organization time. Tuesday is more individual time. Wednesday is content time. Thursday is overflow. That's kind of how the the week flows for me. Maximize travel time. If you have to travel, schedule it. Bring your family. Do whatever you need to do. Are your personal commitments on your calendar, even for the week, for the month, right? You have kids have lessons they need to go to. Make sure they're on there, right? Whatever that is, or your gym appointments, put them on there, folks. Um, your personal content. calendar, end of the day, uh, end of day and week calendar review and planning time really important for you. You guys are the hub of what supports, you know, you're the engine that runs the vehicle. <laughs> you're so vitally important to all of this. Make sure that you're, you're planning time to, um, end of day and end of week stuff. So that you're committed to understanding what that looks like. Meaning that you're, you're planning your week ahead. You're looking at the day ahead and you're planning and changing things that you're doing there. And then honoring your commitments. This goes back to the same self-leadership. Are you willing to keep your word to yourself? Just pause there for a second. You know, you'll come out of this conference inspired and ready to roll, and you'll have new orientations, new decisions. Are you going to keep this to yourself? Not to anybody else. What about to yourself? What are you willing to commit to you? Don't break the chain or don't break a truth to you, hold your commitments, honor your commitments. So choose them wisely, choose your commitments wisely. And as you honor your commitments to yourself each day, you will achieve the goal you set out. If you wanna run a marathon and you have a plan that you need to allocate an hour each day to exercise, and you hold that, you will run a marathon. It's not magic, it's the principles of holding actions accountable, right? So just make sure that you're really paying attention to this honoring your commitments as much as you absolutely can. That becomes critical, Um, for anything that you're doing because as you want to develop more self-leadership and more enthusiasm and joy in your life of really getting that out there it's going to come down to that so leading ourselves um, is really based on four components and this is what project U is based on as well too it's the four quarters health wellness wealth spirituality and leadership relationships um, is our fulfillment formula and that's why it's a year or more immersion course so maybe you know you kind of can rate yourself on a scale of one to ten in any of these right And then begin working on the category that you want to the most. It may not be the lowest. Maybe there's a four in there and there's a one that's a six and you really want to work in the six. Go work on the six. But what I want you to do is just to kind of take an inventory of where you're at on your fulfillment formula. Where are you at in health and wellness? And again, I don't, health means different to everything. To me, I just want to have enthusiasm and a ton of energy to be able to live fully, to be able to do and handle and experience life. Wellness is, I want to be able to Pike mountains and skin. I, I love having a blue collar body. And I love to work it. So to me, that, that's what it means for me. It's eating healthy, good foods. I'm 85% plant-based, right? I just, that's to me. It doesn't mean to anybody else, but just find out what health and wellness means to you. Define it. Stop. Remember we talked about decisions? Stop accepting other people's answers because they made sense to you from before. You can break the chain if you want to, if it's not serving you or your family or your company. Wealth. And we could spend four days on this topic, but let me just give you this one concept for wealth. Wealth is not money. Money is a tool in your life. That's it. Money will never bring you joy. You still may think it will, but I will tell you that most of you are probably making more money than you did when you were 15 and 16. And you're still not having that joy that you Thought you were gonna get from some experience of having some sort of money. Money's a tool in your life, and it's wonderful. It's awesome, there's great things, it's it's perfect. It exaggerates you, it doesn't change you, it just exaggerates who you naturally are. So if you didn't have money, maybe you were sucking up the people, then all of a sudden you're gonna be and you're really an asshole, you're gonna be an asshole. If you're a great carer, giver, and you get money, then you're just gonna be an exaggeration of giving. Wealth is a completely different component, it's a state of mind. It's a it's a wealth is. The net worth, how much money you not necessarily you make, how much you can save and put into investments and grow. So health and wellness, wealth. Just take away that money is not a money is just nothing but a tool. And you're like, I drive that home with my kids. It's that money is just a tool. That's all. Just like your car, right? It's just a tool, right? Spirituality, personal growth, and for me, spirituality is not. A religion, well, it certainly can be for you if that makes sense. But spirituality just means that there's something more than me, that there's a reason. There's that the, that the DNA that created humans created everything, right? The life form that created all this. And there's a purpose way beyond what we can, you know, conjure up in our minds that only knows what we've read or experienced or heard from others. Spirituality is, is that there's something larger than me. I don't need to make life about me. Make it about whatever something else, your family or something else. You need to make it about you, right? Uh, and then you go deep on that. And then it's about releasing, and it's about need nothing and enjoy everything. If you come to understand those four words and you get them, then email me because I would I would love to have that conversation about well, need nothing and enjoy everything. When you fully get that, um, I just want to look into your eyes. So, spirituality, personal growth, leadership, and key relationships. Again, as leadership is about, um, you know, it's self leadership first. It's the first thing we talk about. And you know what really leadership and key relationships is all about? And just in the short period of time that we have today to talk about it. It's about letting go of the outcome. It's about letting go of the outcome. So in, as, we, as we enter into relationships, we're so caught up in thinking of doing something a certain way because you're so concerned about a certain outcome or you're, not, you're afraid to have the tough business relationship conversations because you're afraid of an outcome. Well, if you let go of the outcome, you'll have the conversations, I promise you, you'll be further off. Whether it was meant to be that it wasn't going to work out some way, in business or in personal, then you better know now, right? And just move on. And, and if somebody's trying to go, you help them pack in any way possible. So key relationships is about letting go. It's about surrender. And I don't mean surrender like you're going to be eaten by a tiger. I just mean you surrender to letting go of the outcome. Then you fight. You take action towards that. But that's our fulfillment formula. So rate yourself on a scale of one to 10, as I kind of discussed both of the, all all four of these. And then before you go today, just share with somebody else, what are the four that you're, which one that you're going to work on first? I don't want you to work on all four. I just want you to work on one of them. We have a wonderful tool that's free available to just for you guys. It's adamhergenrother.com forward slash future, adamhergenrother.com forward slash future. And basically this is our future self. And I've used this for the last decade of my life. And um, there's other people there that I know that have used the future self and, and can explain it to you in a little bit more detail for the time that we have. But basically, it's six categories of your life, and it orients your life and where you're going, professionally, social, family, physical, financial, and spiritual. And for me, um, you need to know the direction you're going. But when you're focused on the results, the direction you're going, I also want you to let go of the personal gain that you'll get from it, not the experience you'll get from it but letting go of the personal need for something to happen a certain way. Then develop your future self. So your family, your financial, your physical, your spiritual, I want you to write them out as if you have um, already accomplished them probably at least a year or two or three in, in forward future. And then just get, And then just read it every single day. The reason why I brought this website up for you, it's a free tool that every day your future self will be emailed to you. So you can't ignore it. Right? And a cool inspirational message from you. And so it's just a wonderful tool. Um, I, I, I love it. It's, it's something that I look at every single day and just, it helps just orient yourself. What it also does is it builds upon our decision making ability, gives us the ability to say no. So if you're clear on your future self in these six categories, if you're clear that physicality means that I get up at four o'clock every morning to work out Monday through Friday, if somebody says, hey, do you wanna go to a, a party? At 11 o'clock at night on a Tuesday, you go, that doesn't fit with me. Instead of saying, feeling guilty about it, you say, I've already been clear on this. The answer is very easy. Once you're clear on where you're going, answers are easy. It's the lack of clarity that causes disruption in our own lives or causes uh, a murky waters or us to say yes to something, even though we don't want to say, say yes to it. So the more you get clear on this, the more, the more you're clear on what you say yes to and what you say no to. That's it. That becomes your one thing physicality. Then you say no to a lot at night, by the way. Nothing good really happens after eight o'clock anyways. So we can just throw that out. I mean, occasionally I get it, it does. Somebody says that to me, raise your hand in the crowd, and say, well, sometimes at nine, something good happens. I said, well, I get it. Every now and then something good will happen. Maybe it's your favorite show or whatever. But the majority of time, nothing good happens after eight o'clock. So focus on what it is that you need to do to stay focused on this. Wonderful tool here to be able to use it. Fill it out as if it's already happened. There's actually, if you go to the website, there's a little in- illustration on it. I just wanted to introduce you this to you for all about your self-leadership, all about leading your first enthusiasm. So what do you value? So when you're thinking about creating your future self, what is it you value? And if you have kids in the room, and I ask you all right now, and I would say, you know, what is it that you value in your life? And everyone would probably raise your hand and say, my kids, or my family, or, or something along those lines, for the most part is what I get for answers. And I go, and while I believe your intent is true on that, I said, well, why don't you give me your calendar? Not the calendar that you wrote out that was perfectly executed, color-coordinated, and really sexy-looking. The calendar that you actually did, like if somebody was walking around with you and measuring every minute of your day, which we shall measure our day in minutes, like measuring every minute of your day, and they gave it to me in 30 days, and then they also gave me access to your bank account for everything that you spent money on that 30 days. Then I'll tell you what you value. Because where you spend your time and what you spend your money on is what you truly value. And so for me, when I hear that, when people it, – it, it this hit home for me a long time ago in my life, but it's like, if you value your family, why wouldn't you set yourself up in a way so that you can maximize your time with your family or that you can not spend money so you feel so much pressure on your business or your job to perform to keep up with your lifestyle that's causing so much stress in your home because you're trying to keep up with things because you're trying to get these things that you're missing the point of having the experience of your family anyways. Why not live way below your needs and then just enjoy the time that you have with them because that's all that really matters anyways. The activities or things that you're doing are, just, for most people are just images of the future that could be cool or that could be happening. When you're actually doing it, you're thinking about the next thing anyways. <laughs> so you end up spending money on things that don't even really give you the joy that you actually thought it was going to give you. When you are actually doing it, you're thinking about the next thing that you can do or how you can make it better. <laughs> Whatever it is, you're still not even experiencing it. So stop that. Really, what is it that you value? And if it's what you value, then where are you spending your money? Track it. Where do you spend your time? Track it. it doesn't mean you be disciplined all your life. It means you be disciplined enough so that you have additional time to be focused on what it is. But What do you value in your life? And just it's no judgment. There's no. There's no. You shouldn't beat yourself up by this. Just what is it, right? What do you value in your life? And once you understand what you value, it gives you a better decision framework. It gives you a better future self. It gives you a better orientation of your life. And most importantly, gives you very clarity on where you bring your family. You can see how all this builds on itself. This entire free station is building on itself to give you the tools and the models to create self-leadership and to thrive every day. So, what is freedom? By the way, one of my favorite conversations. If you know me, there's relative freedom. Like the sun sets relatively, right? The sun sets every day, and we can see it, but it's not really an absolute truth. It's a relative truth. Yes, it sets for us, but it's not really ever setting. It's just orbiting. <laughs> there's relative freedom, which is financial freedom, like physical freedom, meaning I can kind of rock and run and do what I want with my kids or my partners or friends. There's you know, social freedom to be able to do what you kind of want to do with those things. Those are all relative freedoms because there's plenty of people that have all the money in the world and are miserable and they show us every day because they commit suicide or they're in drugs or in rehab. And they, whatever it is, it's, just, it's, it's all around us. So those relative freedoms, while they're awesome, there's nothing wrong with any of them, they don't work. And what I mean by that is they don't work for the absolute freedom you're looking for. You still think that your problems outside can be fixed, that your problems inside can be fixed outside. Well, no woman or man has ever fixed an outside problem and has ever been truly okay inside because there's always the next problem. There's always the next Thing I have to deal with so absolute freedom, just like the absolute truth of the sun is that it never sets. The absolute freedom is to be able to walk around this world undisturbed. What does that mean? Sounds very zen. <laughs> it just means that when life unfolds, you don't get disturbed to the point that it pulls you out of your state of being. That okay? yes, things anything can happen, but you never close your heart. And so, remember that absolute freedom. Is, is literally a mantra that I have in my, in my head that always goes, this isn't worth closing your heart over. This is never worth closing your heart over. Now I'll go back to the, that experience that I had, like the example that I gave you with my daughter, which I looked over and I was feeling the tendency. You know what I mean? You, don't, you know it. You don't forget what words we use to get us there, but you know that pull that sensation that wants to get you out of your state. It's like it's magnetic thing that's like pulling you down to it. It's like anger is pulling you to it. It's like you feel it in your gut, it pulls you down. So many people say my heart dropped. Your heart didn't go anywhere. Your heart's still right where it is. What dropped was your energy, this pull, pulls you down. So next time you feel this pull, whether it's an agent coming to you for giving you seven files that are not complete correctly, (laughs) or there's a major financial problem or a problem at home, when it starts to pull, What you have to understand is that you don't want to close that heart. It's trying to get you to close your heart. And as it closes your heart, you're now lost and you have no freedom at all. You're now suffering or suffering. And that's the cause of all suffering is closing of the heart. I don't know how to open your heart. I'm not going to teach you how to open your heart at this stage. What I can teach you is that you know how to not close your heart. Is it painful? Yeah, it is. Man, the liberation that comes from never closing your heart. I'm just pointing my heart. Like you can feel like, you, sometimes you may feel like you just have hands inside there prying open. And you may have to sit there for 30 seconds or a minute or an hour, if it trying to pull you down, but you resisting the ability to let it pull you, or close your heart. And then what happens is it just goes away. An ignored guest will quickly leave. So that emotion that just shows up there, part of the human experience starts to go away because you choose never to close your heart. That's absolute freedom. That's why business is this conduit for personal growth. That's ultimately what it is. It's the absolute freedom that we're all looking for. When people talk about authenticity, you operate with authenticity from that place of never closing your heart. You can't operate from authenticity by closing your heart because then you're operating from anger or energy or, or lower energies or jealousy or frustration or irritation, right, or any of those things. You're just, when you're pulled down, you're never in line or authentic with who you are. Because who you are is already established. The door is always there. It's always open. So what is absolute freedom? Absolute freedom is walking through this world like a sojourner in the midst of the qualities of nature. You're just floating through. I don't mean floating like you're spiritual. You're still dealing with things. You're still dealing with your kids. You're still dealing with business problems. But you do it with a lightness. You're doing it with an open heart. And yes, it still may piss you off and your kids pulls all the stuff down there, but you don't have to become pissed off, right? You can go, well, that wasn't really cool. And you can have that consequence. You can have action. You still do all of that. But you remember, spirituality, absolute freedom, isn't about changing what you do or how you do it. It's changing what part of you is doing it. So you're no longer doing it from that lower state of those emotions that just pull you. And it's like this pull. It's like the example that I always give that people can easily resonate with is, You know, if you've made a decision to not eat dessert and it's in the morning you wake up, you're like, there it is on the counter, I'm not gonna touch it, I'm doing so good. And then eight o'clock rolls around, you know, you get home at five or all of a sudden five comes around, you're like, oh, there's a dessert. It's already starting to pull you. It just does, doesn't it? It starts to pull you already, and you're like, I'm not gonna do it. And then three hours later, it's been pulling on you so much, and so much energy has gone to you trying to withstand that pull. Then all is next to you know, you're just at the dessert. That's the pull that I refer to. I'm just giving it as a physical example. It happens with everything, anger, jealousy, and all the preferred place that we go to that I can pull. And so, yes, it's, it's the absolute freedom is walking around knowing that I'm not going to be pulled in all these directions. It just, at some point, it'll just become like a, it just, be, it just becomes like a little breeze. Just you feel it, you see it. It just, it's no longer takes you over. That's self-leadership at the core. Folks, self-leadership is that. When you get to that state, that's absolute freedom. So how do you apply all of this into your life, right? I think a lot of people, they look at life as like these boxes, right? They have a a learn box, a work box, and play box. And here's what I mean by it. They see these as defining moments of decades of their life. They first go to school from grade school to college or high school, and that's kind of your learning box, and people check the box. Like, I've learned, I've done it, I'm awesome, right? And they kind of just check the box and they kind of put it aside. Yeah, maybe they read a book here and there, maybe they take a course, they read some magazine, but there's no real purpose to it. There's not like it was for learning. And they go to work right and they like i'm just gonna work and you know these people that are just like i've only got seven more years left and i can retire but my job's miserable but i just need seven years to get that two thousand dollars a month to come in there right they're just they check this box of like when i'm done working i'll finally play like when i'm done this stage of work i'm gonna play and then when i'm finally playing it's gonna be like a 65 or whatever it is but i may not have the money to do it right so it's like people see their lives in these decades of boxes i learn i work and i play but for me when i Woke up to all this, and I just said, I'm not going to live my life this way. I'm not. I'm not going to live this linear life. I'm going to live what I call and refer to as work-life integration. Work's always going to be part of my life, right? Work's always going to be part of your life, whether it's working for a structured work or working in some other capacity as a grandmother or a grandfather, right? Learning is always going to be part of my life, and so is it playing. So every day, I look at my life as this linear progression, as a non-linear progression, as a work-life integration, where I'm gonna learn every day, I'm gonna work every day, and I'm gonna play every day. It doesn't mean the owls are, the, the owls, <laughs> could be owls. It doesn't mean the hours are equal. You may learn for 30 minutes, 15 minutes. You may also learn for three hours. Like I said on Friday, I may read a book or two, I mean eight hours of learning. Then I'm gonna work every day at some capacity, right? For most of the time, right? You may have some days off, but you get the point. You're, you're learning. You're working every day. And I'm also going to play. I'm going to play every single day. It doesn't mean play like you're playing Barbie dolls with your kids or Nerf Wars, which I do. And they're super fun. It could be playing. could be exercise one day. Exercise could be work one day. It depends on what you're doing. But I know that I'm going to make time for all three of these things. So whatever my time is up here in this physical body, I know that I've given it my all. And I've I've had this work-life integration. I'm going to contribute in my work. I'm going to contribute from the learning that I have. And I'm certainly going to play every day playing with kids, playing with your wife or your husband, playing with um, you know life, <laughs> you're experiencing it, all of this. But stop looking at your life as linear progression and start looking at this totally different. This is you thriving every day. And thriving every day means that you learn, you work, and you play every day. Because you're at your best when you're working at some capacity, again, right? You're at your best when you're learning at some capacity, right? You're at your best when you're playing at some capacity. Why not weave all of this into it, right? And some people, again, some people's play maybe work. I just want you to be very purposeful on this. So you actually are designing your life and not just ingesting the life that was given to you. It's like what work-life integration is and the benefits of work-life integration to all this. It's learn, it's work, and it's play. And as we start really understanding those three components to it, we'll be able to integrate work into our lives. There is no separation from work to life anymore. So make sure you're incorporating all three of these things. This is how you thrive every day. This is how you lead every day. it's how you self-leadership every day. All of this is so vitally important to you taking control of this next year of your life. This is the year that you will define your decisions by who it is and what you want to become by living a more authentic life for yourself. And I believe that the next generation of leaders are just as committed to their inner growth and their spiritual life as they are to spreadsheets, processes bottom lines you know pie charts all of that operationally stuff or leading stuff all of us need to go and understand that there's an outer world and there's an inner world it's 200 percent not a hundred percent first concentrate on that 100 percent inner world that is self-leadership you'll be thriving to attack the outer world i don't mean attack in a negative way like i'm like a T-Rex is attacking something right you're attacking it because you're filled with enthusiasm sometimes people ask me say well if I'm just at this state where I'm just filled with love and ecstasy and, th- and, and joy why would I get out of bed why would I do work or anything it's that's your mind that's fine but what happens is you're just filled with this 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 joy that's inside you that's just enthusiasm is bubbling up that you have to create it's just it's just you're doing it because there's nothing else to do it's like this When you expect something outside that turns you on, that opens you up, you get this feeling right? that comes in like a a wonderful month or a wonderful email or a wonderful conversation you just had. It turns you, opens you up, right? Life can, all of this can open you up. When you learn to have the integration to self-leadership, to living the absolute truth and the authentic nature of who you are, you'll be open. If you choose to never close your heart, you'll thrive every day. You'll live every day. And you'll be able to contribute to many more people beyond yourself in ways that you have no idea how you're doing it. Just by being open, by walking into a store, people will feel your radiance. They'll feel that. So we're all leaders in every aspect of our lives. Your agents will feel this. I'm not saying that life is supposed to be easy. It's not, right? I actually have this quote on my desk. It says, peace is, does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, no trouble, or hard work. It means to be in the midst of all of these things and still be calm in your heart. Please repeat that because it just summarizes what we talked about. Peace, it does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. It means to be in the midst of all of these things and still be calm in your heart. That is the absolute truth. That is what I refer to as being able to walk around in the midst of all of this. Life is not supposed to be easy. If it was, it wouldn't be like this. We're here to untangle ourselves. And how we do that is by going neutral. And then the four words that we kind of started off with, which is need nothing and enjoy everything. And that's about needing nothing from life, but enjoying everything that life presents itself to it. You don't seek out for experiences, they're already gonna come to you. Life will unfold. Life is a great big dance and she's always in the lead. So what I want you to do and what I want you to take away from this, as we know that life is one big dance and she's always in the lead, enjoy the dance steps. Thank you for joining us today. Again, if you want to grab the full Thrive Everyday series, eight sessions like the one you just heard, plus course materials, go to adamhergenruther.com thrive.